0: Welcome to San Francisco Ballet's Meet the Artist podcast. In this episode, you'll hear dance educator, Mary Wood, in conversation with of Ballet member, Ellen Rose Hummel. This episode was recorded on March 23rd, 2018, before a performance of Program 5, Robbins Ballet and Broadway. Hope you enjoy. I'm Mary
1: Wood for the San Francisco Ballet, and I'm just delighted to be um, in our Meet the Artist context meeting. Uh, Ellen Rose Hummel, artist with the company. Welcome, Ellen. Thank you. I've been admiring Ellen's work for years now, and it's a real treat that we get to have a conversation about her background and what she brings to the Robbins program, as well as the many roles that you've seen her in over the last five, six years. Okay, uh, six so six maybe six years that's years the place for us to start. Oh. Give us um, just a little bit of a sense
0: of where you came from and how you got to San Francisco Ballet. Okay. Well, I am from South Carolina. Um, I came here when I was 16. Um, I wasn't really planning on staying. <laughs> I was here for the summer program, which is about three weeks. Um, And it went from not even thinking I was going to get in for the summer program to being very excited to get accepted. And then it went from that to, like, two weeks in calling my parents, being like, so can I stay for the year? My parents, who've never been to California. Um, So after a little bit of convincing, I was very excited and privileged to come and get to train uh, in the school for three years. Um, Before joining the company.
1: And you were part of our pretty prestigious trainee program. Yes. And that um, most of you are pretty familiar with that, I think. But uh, one of the things that I think is probably of interest to folks is how young, aspiring professionals travel all the way across the country away from their families and then survive in this jungle atmosphere of this nasty big city um, pursuing <laughs> your, your classes and the work that you need to do. And so we were talking a little bit about this great institution that San Francisco Valley has had now for a number of years. So talk about Jackson House. Jackson House.
0: Yeah, so um, my parents were like, as long as you are in a good environment when you arrive... Um, that's the one thing we really ask. Um, so the Jackson house is a dormitory that they have that serves, I think when I was there, it's a little different. Um, but it had roughly about 27 students, um, two adults, um, that kind of chaperone watch over us. Um, and it was pretty cool because, you know, you'd have kids from all over the world. So you had kids from Spain and China and Japan and some, we're all very young, um, Some, you know, still learning English. And we all had the same thing in common, though, that we were there to dance. We would, you know, be responsible for grocery shopping and laundry and um, schoolwork and things like that. But we also were had the ballet in common. So that was, you know, that was something that was pretty cool. You would be family, like, very quickly because you would meet somebody that day. Three hours later, you were in retainers with pajamas, you know, down in the TV room. So it was a really amazing bond. And a lot of them I'm still with in the company now and we're adults, you know, and um, even ones that have left and moved on, like I still talk and see them. So it's pretty cool because it's a very quick family bond that you really need when you're young and you're you're moving away absolutely and safe
1: and secure
0: oh yeah. Um, yeah I know other
1: large companies in the large cities have something on a similar model mm-hmm. but I think this yeah. has been very
0: special it's very special It was <clears throat> really didn't feel like a dormitory when I was there those years um, it was very very much like a house um, and that made a big difference too we all felt very comfortable and like safe and it was a lot That's of fun good. I really well, this.
1: One of the things that um, we've also been chatting about uh, this program, as we mentioned, is the Robbins Centennial mm-hmm. <clears throat> Celebration.
0: Yeah.
1: And um, the, among the works that are being performed are works that were performed for many years by our artistic director, Helgi Thomason, yeah. and his longtime partner, Patricia McBride.
0: Yeah.
1: And isn't it fun to learn that Um, you trained with Patricia
0: McBride. So tell us a lot about that. Uh, The, the first thought that comes to mind um, with Patricia McBride is just so sweet. She is one of the sweetest people you will ever meet. Um, So humble and she's as generous on the stage as she is off. Like she's just a beautiful soul. Um, So, just learning from her. Like she taught me so much like artistically. Talk about where you were when you trained with her. Um so people get this confused a little bit because I'm from South Carolina. But I would cross over to the North Carolina border. Um (laughs) people always get really confused. Like North Carolina, I'm like close enough. Um but it was it's now called Charlotte Ballet. But when I was there it was called North Carolina Dance Theater. Um and so that's where I started my training, and that's how I met her, and she carried me through. It was pretty cool because, you know, I had to k- briefly mentioned San Francisco Ballet to her. It's a summer program. Kids are auditioning, and you kind of hear places to go and cool places to learn, develop, and um, she goes, San Francisco Ballet? You know, it's all this history it got opened up to me. I didn't really know too much about until I had talked to her about it. That whole West Coast East Coast thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, she created the lead role, <clears> the <throat> woman's role in Opus Nineteen, The Dreamer, mm-hmm. and then um, other dances, which is the potato de later in the program. Um, was created for Baryshnikov and Makarova. But very shortly after that, Helgi Thomason and Patricia McBride pretty much took it over and just danced it forever. Um, When you were training with her, what... I just want to know, did any of that wonderful history come through in her teaching?
0: Yeah. Did you learn from her? She she was so humble, like it was, you know, she would start talking and then you would find all these crazy stories, these, you know, like historical things that she went through. Um, but you know, she wouldn't talk too much about them. And then all of a sudden she would start talking and talking about these superstars in New York City Valley and everyone would just get caught up and it would be 20 minutes past class. And, you know, we're all just standing there in awe, you know, the wanting to hear more about the history and what it was like. And, you know, um, there are very few videos I saw. It was mostly if we were learning choreography from something. Um, but all of it was footage of her, and it was just absolutely stunning.
1: Can I assume that the style that she taught was the
0: so-called New York City Ballet or School of American Ballet style? It was, it was definitely influenced. Um, she had so much passion, and she just loved of the freedom and you I think you see it too any footage of her um she's such a genuine dancer um and she really that was very important to her and you dance just to like let go and be free and be with the music and really connect that was very important to her and I think it also not only got rid of some nerves you know like because you have to, to let go you know if you're all tense it's hard but um she was always just so supportive and like believed in everyone that everyone could do it. And, um, yeah, she was just such an, an inspiration. I wouldn't get nervous with her, um, because she was just so supportive and like really wanted it for them.
1: Did you get a chance to say hello to her this week?
0: I did. It was wonderful. (laughs) I missed that. I hadn't seen her in like quite some time. We kept up, but, um, it was funny to see me from, like, young and embraces. to so she's like, you're an adult now. <laughs> kind of crazy. But she looks exactly the same. It's amazing. She hasn't aged at all. It happens. The um, role that you dance in
1: the Robbins program, mm-hmm. um, unfortunately, it wasn't one of Patty's roles. Yeah. But... Um, one of the things that we've been able to enjoy in your last five, six years in the company is your interpretation of characters. So I'm, before we go down the list of them, <laughs> do you enjoy that as yeah. much as
0: any other kind of dancing? I do. There's, I love character roles. Um, I don't know if I like it more or less than others. I mean, you look at some ballets that don't really have a particular story character to them but that brings a whole nother different joy um especially like choreographers like drone robbins or something it's balancing. it's like the choreography is so built in and so musical that it's like it just feels so good and there's maybe no story to it but you have this feeling in your own connection with it that's kind of your own in there and then there's the characters where you're you're just not yourself at all you're completely swept away
1: I think we enjoyed you last season as, which is the name of the sister in Cinderella? Clementine. Clementine. Some of you may have enjoyed Ellen Rose as Clementine. Um, talk about being able to get out of your own personality.
0: Yeah, once those glasses came on, (laughs) Ellen Rose wasn't there anymore. (laughs) And then uh,
1: you have mentioned... um, more than once, that a very important influence on your career has been Val Canaparoli.
0: Yeah.
1: And we got to see you yeah. this season in a reprise of your role in his Ibsen's House.
0: Yeah, that was... That so was talk awful. about how cool was that? Uh, it was it was super neat because um, that was my first breakout role from the Court of Ballet, was Ibsen's House. Um, it was my first year in the company. Um, and to revisit it, I was in such a different place, mentally, artistically. Um, it was really cool to visit and have a different understanding, approach it differently, talk even more in depth with it um, yeah it was it was very special for me to get to go back and revisit it. there was i don 't know all this like stuff up behind it, I guess, from what 's happened between the first time to now
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah, and that 's a pretty serious character you're portraying it is it's very deep which is was half the fun of it i think for me was having something so dark and passion you're just saying so much and it's it's in the choreography so dancing any movement qualities it's like well why are you doing that what does that mean and it's you know, it's all very deep. Like, I love you. You're going to fall. We're going to jump off this cliff. If you really love me, you know, it's (laughs)
1: it's (laughs) so speaking of deep and getting into the character in fancy free, (laughs) you get to be the girl (laughs) with the red purse. Yeah. So talk about that as a contrast.
0: That's quite the, yeah, that's, she's much more light New York, um, versus, (laughs) versus something a little deeper like that. Um, First of all, the energy for that ballet is just, it's just a blast. You know, it starts with the music and, you know, you have the costume and the hairstyle and um, all the sailor guys are so much fun to work with. Um, it's just being in the room with them, too, and having the music and the choreography and JP, who's at it, um, instantly you go in the room and you're already kind of in that bubbly mood. Um, and that role is just great, too. That's a great role.
1: Um the um it <laughs> sounds like everybody's having a good time. The uh everyone talks about working on any Robins ballet. And I think I wish we should also say that you are uh in the cast of the cage, yeah. which couldn't be more different. <laughs> it's a whole nother character. But um <laughs> Jerome Robbins has created these roles and um, Jean-Pierre frolick J.P., mm-hmm. who stages them, has um, is entrusted with communicating the Robin's intention. Mm-hmm. So, very particular. say a little bit about being in the rehearsal with somebody channeling Jerome Robbins.
0: Well, he's he's very particular, um, and he's he's just so gifted at the way he describes, um, you know, what the point is, what Jerome Robbins wanted. Um, even with Fancy fancy Free or like um, the cage, you know, we're all bugs. And you get into the studio and you're like, my job today is to be a bug. You know, like, that's pretty crazy. But, you know, he was very good at like describing like why you're doing something. And what are you doing? Well, you know, they've, you know, killed this intruder and you're, you know, this is, you're doing this step because this means this. Or, you know, even Fancy Free, he would be like, Why are you doing this step? Like, this is what you're saying, you know? So each movement, each quality um, had purpose and meaning behind it. So I feel like when you're in the cage and you're doing it, I mean, the hair and the makeup, everything, um, it's, you know, really puts in that character for you for what you're doing. But also the steps and the intentions behind it, um, the attack it has, all the steps and everything, you, you really do feel like an animal, like a bug. Um, it's pretty cool though, because you, it's very effective. The court of ballet in it is, it's just like, wow, it's so effective. Um, and you see where little movements maybe at the time you're putting them together and you're like, I don't really know how this looks. And then if you can step back and see like another cast do it or see it from the stage, it's amazing what steps you put them all together. And it's, you really do feel like you're down in this cage as hole, looking at all these different bugs. It's, it's pretty cool. And
1: trust me, these are not cute Disney bugs. No, these are fierce. These are fierce. creepy, uh, crawly insects. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, I'm trying to keep my eye on the time. For those of you who came in late, I'm having this conversation with Ellen Rose Hummel, who, um, an artist with the company for the last six years, and is... Unfortunately, not on stage tonight.
0: I'm not. Darn. But she does
1: perform in the cage and in Fancy Free, which you will enjoy this evening. Um, Before we end, I do want you to say a few words about this phenomenal enterprise that the company is undertaking this year, which is the Unbound... Festival of New Works. Mm-hmm. And we've heard over the weeks now from a number of the different dancers involved, and it's been fascinating to get a slightly different take, but there's one common thread from every single one of them, and that is just the electricity of being part of such creativity.
0: you can feel the buzz. Yeah, yeah, the
1: buzz. Start with which of the um, of the three teams, the company was divided into three groups mm-hmm. so that the choreographers had a chance <laughs> um, yeah. and the schedulers had a chance. Yeah. Which group yeah. did you work with? Which four choreographers did you work so with?
0: So I had, um, let's see, I had Christopher Wieldon, Dwight Roden, Sennon Welch, uh, Kathy Marson. Um and those were, the, those were the four I worked with. All very different. Um, it, was, it was very neat to work with people from very different backgrounds and from different places, and they come with their vision. Um, you know, you, they walk in the room, and you're trying to be as open as possible because you don't really know what, you know, the new, the new thing that's been bubbling in their brains. Um, so, it's, yeah, it was very exciting to work with all of them.
1: Um, I was privileged to watch some of the rehearsals. The difference between Kathy Marston's work and Stanton Welch's work, yep. those are really contrasting. Can you
0: describe each one just in a few words? They are. Um, Stanton Welch's, I think, could possibly be maybe the most classical one, actually, out of, of the 12. I would um, agree. Yeah. Um, but I think... Out of that one, you still see the style. They're still different. Um, he has a very particular flavor um, for that ballet. And his music is Bach. Mm-hmm. So it's
1: gentle on the ears.
0: It, yeah. yeah. There are some that have some have some pretty wild music. Um, but you go from like something like that that feels a little bit um, more familiar, maybe, to me. Um, and then you have something like the Snowblind, which... Um, we did a lot of improv the first couple days. This is Kathy Marston's. Yeah. Called, yeah. And she's calling it Snowblind. Snowblind, yeah. We had, um, like we had this whole workshop on snowflakes. And we would come up with different words, you know, what you think of when you think of snowflakes. And um, they would break us. She broke us up into like twos maybe. And um, you would come up, you know, with different improvs of different words and different uh, steps that come up with that. Um, it was just kind of breaking, you know, breaking the ice in the room, getting comfortable. Some people, you know, have improv before and more comfortable. Some are experiencing it, you know, for the first time. And, um, it was a lot of that kind of, um, improv work at the beginning, but she had, you know, a story in mind and she had a vision and, um, it was pretty cool how it all came together, and you can kind of see the effect of her ballet as it goes on and time goes on. It's, it's really beautiful.
1: And her work actually ends up telling a story with characters. A very passionate
0: story, yeah. Right,
1: as it's, opposed to an abstract piece. Yeah. So those are really different.
0: Yeah. And there's some of the, even the abstract ones we have, or more abstract, oh. I guess, like Dwight Rodin, um, his is based on, like, love um, so there's a lot of like neoclassical, you know, contemporary work in it, um, but there's definitely like that vision and that you're trying to speak something out of it. Um, Christopher Weldon too, he has um, more a little bit more contemporary, but then you know he has, has this whole thing about our society. You know, 2018, how distracted are we with technology and um, what it's happening happening to us? So it's kind of cool because you're seeing something that you know might not quite have a story to it, but you see the vision it gets the point across without being you know, super blunt about it.
1: And one of the things that um, is maybe distinctive about Christopher Wildens is that, mm-hmm. <clears throat> as he has said himself, this is one of his first pieces to choreograph that the women are not in point shoes. Yeah. Everybody's in flat shoes. Yeah. So that'll be different.
0: Yeah, very grounded. Yeah.
1: We have four more minutes, and if you're willing to take some questions, let's yeah. see if anybody in the audience has questions for Ellen Rose, professional dancer. Are the international competitions,
0: it seems like there's so many now. There, there are many. Um, I've personally never done one, um, been too much into the competitions, but um, I do know a lot of you know, opportunities come through that, a lot of exposure, um, but... You know, I think some people experience and go through that route, and some some people don't. Um, I unfortunately I don't know too much about the competitions, but I know people that yeah. have have been part of them. I know that um, the directors
1: have the competitions on their radar,
0: mm-hmm. and yeah. they will go and watch on watch the their finals. Radar. Yeah, and sometimes it works out well. Yeah, sometimes it's great. Like I said, it's great exposure. Um, You never know who is gonna be there who's gonna be watching um, what opportunities arise from them.
1: What was your favorite role?
0: That is so tricky (laughs) Um, I don't know. I mean, I have so many different You know sides and personalities Um, certain roles get to me Um, but I may be a little bit biased towards character roles Um, also it comes to with just like the experience you have along with particular ballets, um, you know, with the dancers you work with, the time you are, if you're maybe you're on tour somewhere, um, can really all really affect like what you dance. Um, one of my favorite roles, I, I think I did Clementine for sure was one of my all time favorites. um, but I also I enjoyed a lot. Lumberina, um was one of my favorite pieces. A lot of attack and um, a lot of quick partnering, and it was a great challenge. And there's something about that magnetic energy that was really a highlight for me emotionally. It's a favorite ballet for a lot of people. Yeah, it's very <laughs> special.
1: Um, I think we've run out of time. Yeah. I'm sorry to have to bring this to a close. It's been really. Yeah. Lovely to have this conversation. I want to remind you all a couple of things. Go to the Ballet's website or look through your program book because there are some pretty good notes. But um, take note of the um, supplemental materials, not on the Opera House stage, that will support the Unbound Festival. There's lots of interesting uh, interviews and lectures and programs that are happening. And... um, don't forget that the next program in the Opera House is the National Ballet of Canada performing um, John Newmeyer's Nijinsky, which will be... Some of you may have seen it a few years ago. It's just a yep. sensational theater piece. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, we'll see you all for the Unbound Festival, which is just a month away. Wow. <laughs> wow. So thank you, <laughs> Ellen Rose. This has been delightful. Thank you so much. Enjoy this evening's performance. Thank
0: you. Thanks for listening to San Francisco Ballet's Meet the Artist Podcast. For other podcasts and audience engagement programming, please check out sfballet.org slash explore.